0: I'd like to invite you to take your Bibles out and look up Isaiah 53, if you would. It's kind of in the middle. If you get to the Psalms, then turn right and you'll get there. Isaiah 53. Throughout the Lenten journey, we're going to be focused primarily on the passion narratives, which if you've been reading the Gospels, you know that we get to the end of each Gospel section and about a third of each Gospel is the last week of Christ's life we're going to focus on that, but as we're beginning this series, I wanted us to go back and kind of revisit our journey through the Old Testament to say, here's where the Old Testament was looking forward to the the passion of Christ, and Isaiah 53 is one of the most famous passages that does that, Isaiah chapter 53, Isaiah 53 starting with verse 1, Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. This is God's word, and it's true, and we can rely on it. How often do you cry? We took a little survey on the app, and about half of the people who responded to that survey said they hardly ever cry. And then there was about a dozen that said they cry maybe every month. And another dozen that said maybe they cry every week. And there was two people who said they cry every day. And I was one of those. So there's one other person here who cries a lot. Now crying doesn't mean you have to have tears run down your face. It just means that your eyes get wet. And I was having wet eyes just watching this little girl stroll down this path of suffering Oblivious to what we were trying to symbolize here. I hope that we all can enter into the path of suffering with that same blissful unawareness, maybe. So I'm reading a little book, and the title of the book is called Crying, A History of Tears. And in this book, they talk about crying. Here's how the book starts. Weeping is a human universal. Throughout history and in every culture, emotional tears are shed everyone everywhere cries at some time yes people weep during funeral rituals for instance in every culture except in bali in bali they do not cry at funerals and the only reason they don't cry at funerals is they postpone them for two years so they don't have tears at funerals but they still cry when there's mourning People cry, and only people. As far as we know, there's no other animal that sheds emotional tears. That is, that they react to what's going on around them, and that makes them cry. So, while I'm typing up this quote from this book I'm reading, I get a phone call. And the phone call is from somebody who knows a mother who has a baby with a brain tumor in Iowa City. And they're calling because this mother is single and she has no resources. And they just told her that she's going to have to be with this baby at the hospital for many months, but that the tumor is terminal. There's nothing they can do to cure it. And as I'm hearing this story, I don't know this person. I'm just being asked about how can we get some help to this person. I feel myself wanting to cry. I feel myself sad. I want to do something about it. I want to fix it. It's broken. I want to go to Iowa City. In the end, uh, there's only two things I I resolved that I think I could do about this. The first thing is, I could go to Iowa City and I could cry with this woman. And the other thing I knew I could do was I could cry out and say, God, will you do something about this? I could cry and I could cry out. And I see that those two reactions are quite common. I was watching a little bit of the news news coverage with the shooting in Florida, the school shooting, and I saw these same two reactions. In fact, one mother who lost her 16-year-old daughter was crying and crying out, and she cried out on Twitter, and this is what she said. She said, somebody do something about this now. When we see great suffering and great tragedy, we want Something done, and we want something done now. Now, maybe you've cried in tough circumstances, and I don't know what all everyone has faced, but I know that many of us have faced difficult times. It might be related to your health, it might be related to a relationship, it might be related to a lost career or a lost love, it might be related to uh, loneliness or isolation, it might be related to an injustice or betrayal. But I'm guessing that just about every one of us at some point in life have cried and cried out, somebody do something about this now. So what I'd like to do in the next few minutes is I'd like to try to answer two questions. The first question is, how did we get here on this road? How did we get to this mess, to this suffering, the brokenness? And the second question I'd like to try to answer is, Is there an end? Does this road ever end? So the story starts like this. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and everything was beautiful. It was a paradise and God took dust from the ground and he created man and woman and he put them in the middle of this paradise and he said you can do anything you want, just don't eat from this one tree. And we don't know how long it took them but it seems that it did not take them very long and they rebelled against God. They decided that they could do something that God told them not to do. And so they ate from the fruit of the tree and immediately there was brokenness and suffering that came into the world. And the reason we know this is because they who had been walking daily with God in this paradise now went to hide from God. But God is not satisfied in leaving them hidden in the garden. God comes to find them out. He comes to... To seek them. Now, I'm sure that when Adam and Eve were hiding in the garden, they had no idea how much of a road marked with suffering that they had just stumbled upon. I'm sure they had no idea. I'm sure that they felt some burden from having just disobeyed God, but they had no idea the consequences of it. They had no idea that this was going to lead to weeds and pain in childbirth, They had no idea that this was going to lead to bitterness and to bleakness and to heartache and to sorrow and to anger and to fear, that it was going to lead to all kinds of trials and troubles and anxiety and They had no idea that this was going to lead them on this path. In fact, they had no idea that just a few chapters later after this rebellion, this transgression against God, their sons get into a fight, and one brother kills another brother. They had no idea that there was going to be that kind of burden that would come from that rebellion. But I wanted to share just what the Bible says about that one incident. This is from Genesis 4, verse 10. The blood of your brother cries out from the ground. Can you imagine that first day, the first murder? Adam and Eve cried, and they cried out. The blood of their son cried out. How did we get here? How long are we going to be here? There's a dark shadow of suffering that came over them, a shadow that brought gloom and trouble and pain and affliction and mourning and agony and tragedy. This was the path that was opened up from that act of rebellion. And that pain creeped into the whole world until we're told in the book of Romans that the whole world cries out. The whole world is longing for the day when everything that's broken will be set right again. I think a great example of this crying and this crying out is God's people in Exodus. Remember, they're in slavery, they're in bondage, they're carrying the weight, the burden of this slavery, of this bondage. This is what Exodus, uh, Exodus 2.23 says. During that long period, the king of Egypt died, the Israelites groaned under the weight of their slavery, and they cried out. And their cry for help because of their burden went up to God. Some words in the Bible are really hard to translate because we don't really have like an English equivalent for those words. The word for crying out is one of those words. The the original word is the word tsaak. Tsaak means to cry out. But I want you to listen a little bit to the force of the word. This is how the experts in Hebrew tell us about the word tsaak. They say it is one of the most impassioned, power filled words in the Hebrew language. It communicates intense emotion. Usually it's translated as outcry. The depth of the suffering that causes such a cry is not conveyed by any English word. Tsaak implies heart-wrenching wailing. Such an outcry rises out of great pain and suffering and despair, and it's caused not simply by some impersonal suffering, but by the brutality and cruelty of other people inflicted on you. Sa'ak is a very personal cry of pain. One of the interesting things about the Sa'ak in Egypt, when the people were crying out, they were the people of God, but when they cried out, they actually didn't cry out to God. They were crying out to anyone who would listen. That's the kind of gut-wrenching cry that Sa'ak is. Will anybody help me? How long will this go? Somebody do something about this now. It's the cry of a mother who sends her 16-year-old daughter to school in the morning and never gets to see her alive again. It's Somebody do something about this now. This suffering needs to be fixed. Isaiah 53 describes a situation that would result in sa'ak, an outcry. The suffering servant was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised, and we held him in no esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him our iniquity. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as sheep before a shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. For the transgressions of his people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor any deceit was in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer." Some of us have heard these words maybe before. It's a very familiar passage. Don't let the familiarity of these words um, dull the violence, the brutality that's described in this passage. There was brutal treatment given to the suffering servant. It was a, a suffering that would cause him to cry out. In fact, we know that this was God's answer to the suffering in this world. He said, I'm not happy with just letting this world continue with affliction and with misery and with agony and with trouble, with hardship. I'm not willing to let it continue in that. So I'm going to enter in. I'm going to come and send the suffering servant to walk on this road marked with suffering. And he's going to walk and he's going to experience everything just as you experience, yet with no sin. And then he's going to go be condemned to die and he's going to be led to a cross and he's going to be nailed to that cross and he's going to die at the end of this road marked with suffering so that I can do something about your suffering. And some of you remember the cry that came from the cross. This is a sack kind of cry. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is somebody going to do something about this? Is there ever going to be an end to this suffering? The world is broken, and God is not willing to let it stay that way. And so the answer to question number two, is there an end to the suffering? The answer is yes, there is. And the beginning of the end started when the suffering servant began to walk his road marked with suffering. And one day, he will set everything right, God did not remain distant and aloof. He did not wipe his hands and said to hell with all of you, suffer and I don't care. He said, I am going to come and die in your place so that you can be forgiven and that suffering one day will be over. Listen to how the Bible talks about this. These beautiful words about the suffering servant from Philippians chapter 2. Think about Jesus, the suffering servant, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance just as man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There will be an end to suffering because Jesus Christ is Lord. The suffering servant walked this road marked with suffering so that we could be forgiven, so that death could be conquered, so that suffering could be eradicated so that everything that is broken in this world could be set right one day and we're looking forward to that day now this is still being played out we're still looking toward that day when everything is going to be set right in the meantime we have this hope that because christ was willing to walk on this road marked with suffering that he will never leave us or forsake us that he will never abandon us that we can walk with him and with each other In our suffering, one of the reasons we wanted to mess around with the furniture is because as we take this journey down this road marked with suffering, we want you to recognize that we're all in this together. The people that you're looking at across the path have walked a path marked with suffering. And are we willing to walk with them? So we're asking you to consider a couple things throughout this series. Will you pay attention to the suffering of Jesus, learn about his suffering, Will you pay attention to your own suffering, the hard times in your life, and what is God doing there? And will you pay attention to those around you who are suffering? And see what God has to say about that. Even though we're just starting on this journey, I have a tough time leaving you in a pit of despair for too long. I want to like, give you a glimpse. I want to give you a reason for hope. And so I wanted to read about the picture of what happens When we finish this road, when it's all said and done, when history comes to its conclusion and God accomplishes all of his purposes. This is what the prophet John saw in the book of Revelation, chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be their God and he will wipe every tear from their eye and there'll be no more mourning and no more death and no more crying and no more pain for all these things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. We are looking for that day. We're looking forward to what God has in store for us. Until then, will you spend a few weeks walking on this road with me, thinking about the suffering of Jesus, thinking about your own suffering? Thinking about the suffering of the world, I know this is hard because we like to think of Jesus. I, I have a picture in my head of Jesus, and he's kind of the—he's got beautiful hair and a winning smile, and he's—he's he's nice. This is not the picture Isaiah gave us. He was the one despised and rejected; people could hardly look at him. And many people have fled from the suffering servant. They didn't want to spend time knowing the suffering servant. But the Bible invites us to say, "Let's know this suffering servant—the one who was despised and rejected, the one who was pierced for our transgressions." Let's spend a little time knowing him. So I'm going to invite you to get on this path and stay on it with me for just a few weeks and we'll figure out what God has to do to teach us a little bit more about affliction and bitterness and pain and trouble and gloom and bleakness and sorrow and heartache and anger and grief and fear and distress and dread and anxiety and isolation and Sadness and misery and injury and torment. And while we're doing that, we're going to be looking forward to that day. There is a day when these things will be no more. And that will be a great day. So I'd like you to sit with these ideas for just a few more minutes. We've got a little video that we pulled up for us talking about there is a day that we're looking forward to and what do we do as we're waiting for that day. So I'd just like to invite you to go ahead and watch this video.
1: I try to hold on to this world with everything I have, but I feel the weight of what it brings and the hurt that tries to grab the many trials that seem to never end. His word declares this truth that we will enter in this rest with wonders anew. But I hold on to this hope promise that he brings. There will be a place with no more suffering. There will face to face, but until that day, we'll hold on to you all. Never been a step But you've walked out All alone a Troubled soul Don't lose your heart Cause joy and peace He brings And the beauty That's in store How is the hurt Of life still But I hold on To this hope And the promise That he brings That there will be a place where no more Suffering There will of this place.
0: Won't you join me in prayer? God, we come before you today and we thank you for your love for us. And um, I don't know that I'm exactly looking forward to this journey down the road marked with suffering, but I feel like you've got something really important for us. And so God, I pray that as we cry and as we cry out, you would help us to look to the suffering servant to understand what it might mean for us and that your Holy Spirit would work within us to guide us and that the, the love of your strong arms would hold us And we will give you thanks, God, for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.